God loved you and me so much. And he recognized that we were sinful people and needed a Savior. And so he sent his one and only begotten Son to be the sacrifice. Now, let's just... We talk about the Trinity, right? The three in one, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as one, right, one being. But let's just for the moment separate this out for a second. This, in a sense, is God the Father loving humanity, recognizing that they are fallen, recognizing that they are sinful. And then Jesus also plays his part in this. The willingness, the love of humankind that God the Father would be willing to sacrifice to give his son and the son being willing to give himself. Amen? And so there is the togetherness of, and then the Spirit to come, the Holy Spirit to come after Jesus ascends to the Father and and sits at the right hand of the throne of God, which is the place of authority, the place of power, the right hand. And the three together save Humanity through the sacrifice. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And it doesn't end there, though. It doesn't end there. It keeps going. It will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is good and his mercy endures for all generations. He is faithful. He has a 100% faithfulness rating. (laughs) God is good. And why... He loves me is yet for me to understand. I don't grasp it. Who am I? The scriptures say, who am I that God would, the creator of of the world would care at all about me? The psalmist said that. Who, Who am I? Who is man that you are mindful of him? Of all of the vastness of your creation, all of the the greatness of your deeds, oh God. Why do you care for humans? Why do you care for us? And beyond care, why do you deliberately sacrifice that which is so blessed and so important 
to you for our sakes. So then I ask you, believers, I ask you, the body of Christ, should we not live our lives in such a way as to bring glory to the one who purchased us? Should we not live our lives in a way that would we would bring sacrifice to him? Should we not live our lives in such a way as when people look at us, we shine him. We reflect him. They see us. They see him in us and through us. There's a popular saying that says, you may be the only Bible that some will ever read. Man, that is so true. That is so true. You may be the only Bible. You may be the only ambassador, the representation of Christ here on this earth. You may be the only Jesus some will ever see. Do they see Jesus in you? Do they see Jesus in me? Oh my God, I pray so. I pray that is the case. You know, I've prayed this prayer so many times throughout my life in my inability to keep myself pure, to keep myself from sin. Oh God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And it just reminds me of the... uh, parable that Jesus told, and we just spoke of it recently, but there's one where the Pharisee is, has come, you know, and, and he's telling God how good he is. Thank you, God, that I am not like other men, that I am not this, I'm not that, but I am this, you know, and this. he just comes with this prideful attitude, you know, and thank you that my shoes are shiny. This is how I shine my shoes, by the way. thank you, God, that I am, in a sense, he's puffing himself up greater than others, you know. Thank you that I am not like this tax collector over here, this great sinner, and here is this tax collector, this everyone knows he's a sinner, he's a thief, he is a lowlife, he is what the society back then would call untouchable. He's filthy because he was a Jew and yet was hired by the Roman government to collect the taxes and they would collect uh, taxes moreover than what was due from the Jewish families and pad their pockets with it. And so they were rich but hated. They were hated. And here comes this one. And he is just beating on his chest, and he he knows he's so sinful, and he just cries out to God, Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve your grace, your mercy. But I'm begging you for it. I'm begging you for it. Have mercy on me, a sinner. 
And Jesus asked the question, which one went away justified? The one with all the pride that had all the outward things that the world would look for. He had notoriety. He had honor and respect. He had riches. He had this and this. Or the man that was spiritually devoid, yet was crying out to God. Which one went away justified? The one that cried out to God, have mercy on me. Oh God, have mercy on me. That's the love that God has for you and I. And I think... As it says in the scriptures, my sin is ever before me. My sin is ever before me. I'm reminded, even though I have been forgiven, and if I come to Jesus and I receive what he has done on the cross as forgiveness, the shedding of his blood, we just drank of the cup of the new covenant that is poured out. If we trust in the work that Christ Jesus did on the cross for him to forgive us our sin. And as we spoke earlier, if we, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But my sin is ever before me. In the word it says that he casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. What is that? Is that like the Caspian Sea or the Mediterranean Sea? No, that is a figure of speech, if you will. He casts our sin in a sea of forgetfulness and he remembers them no more. I've heard it said that if we ask for forgiveness for our sins, he forgives them. And if we come back again and say, forgive me for that sin, what sin? It's gone. He has washed it clean with his blood. He's not only covered it up, he has washed it away. It's gone. It's as if it never happened. Oh, the mercy of God. And yet in our human minds, we would say, my sin is ever before me. But he casts our sin into a sea, our transgressions into a sea of forgetfulness and remembers them no more. That is the love. The unconditional love that God has for you and I. And you know what? Sometimes we keep tripping over the same kind of sins, don't we? We're each susceptible to sin. And we keep tripping over those things. And, but you know what? The, the believer doesn't stay down. We all fall down, but we don't stay down. 
By the grace of God, we get back up on our feet. And when we continue to move forward, never giving up, because if our hope is in ourselves, we have no hope. If we have, if our hope is in a procedure or some sort of plan that helps us not to sin, we are hopeless. Our hope must always and fully be in the cross. And only in the cross. If it is anywhere else, we are lost and hopeless. And so though we continue to sin, though we strive to remain pure before God, we continually sin and fall down on our knees before him. And he picks us back up. He picks us back up and he says, my son, my daughter, I've paved the way for you. Your sins are no more. If I I just continually come back to this beautiful, beautiful um, story and it actually happened. And the woman that was caught in adultery and forgive me for keeping, keep, bringing this out, but it's just so beautiful, Jesus' response. In the ugliness of humankind, this blatant sin and, and the disgustingness of it was brought forth in front of the whole town. People were all standing around and everyone loves to have their own stone to throw, don't they? You know? And we as Christians will even say, Well, I may be this, but I'm not that. As if one sin is greater or worse than the other. It's all black, it's all dirty, and it's all disgusting, and it all sent Jesus to the cross. But at least I'm not like them. I'm not that. And we would puff ourselves up and see how much better we are. We are no better. And then this lady is is brought, and, and she's caught in the act of adultery, and she's thrown at the feet of Jesus. Now, this was set up in a way to, she is just a means to an end, all right? She's just a piece to the puzzle. They're trying to trap Jesus. That's what this is all about. And so they bring her and they cast her down at his feet. Let's see what Jesus says to do. Because if he doesn't go along with the laws of Moses in stoning her, then he's no prophet. He's no, he's no nothing. And yet if he, if he does stone her, then he's unmerciful. He's no prophet. So their whole intention was to... Was to Uh, to expose him and all of this ridiculousness that he claims to be and others claim that he is. So she's thrown there and she's weeping and she's utterly embarrassed and just, can you imagine, she just doesn't want to have anyone see her face and she's just down on the ground. They probably, and I'm, I'm just kind of adding right now, but more than likely, they would have probably been hitting her on the way, bringing her there. So she, she more than likely could have sustained some beating before she was even brought there. 
But let's just set that aside for now. And then Jesus says these profound words. If anyone of you is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And so dozens of these religious leaders and townspeople, they're holding their rocks and they're tossing them up and they're catching them like this. Just waiting their turn, waiting their turn to just snuff her life right out. And then Jesus, he just totally turns, turns everything upside down, doesn't he? And he just shows, shows the love of God for you and I. Okay, you're right in saying that the law of Moses says that this behavior and the one that committed it should be stoned. You are right. But let the one that is without sin be the one to cast the first stone. Oh. And they're all caught in their pride. And they're like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? We had him. We was right there. We had him. And here is the most beautiful part of it all. All of those that had brought their stones to throw and kill, uh, inflict judgment upon this sinner of a woman. They dropped their stones one by one. Mind you, they don't take the little pebbles. That's a handful of stone. And they drop them one by one until all of those people that were standing around accusing this woman of sin. And then Jesus says, Woman, where are your accusers? Where are those who have accused you? And can you just picture this sheepishly? She, she looks up as her hair is just a mess and probably sticking to her face from the tears and maybe makeup running or whatever the case may be, you know. And, and she's, sir, there are none. They're all gone. And then he says, go now and leave your life of sin. I don't condemn you either. Go. Thank you. Leave your life of sin. I don't condemn you either. It's beautiful. And though our sin, as the scripture says, is ever before us, Jesus died to save us from that. Would you stand with me today?
There's a scripture in the book of John. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friend. Greater love has no one. Nobody's got greater love than one who is willing to die for those that he loves. And we would say, well, I'm willing to die for my children. I'm willing to die for my mate. I'm willing to, you know, there might even be a friend maybe that I would be willing to die for. But beyond that, it's, well, would you be willing to die for someone who hated you? <laughs> yeah, Whatever. Would you be willing to die for somebody who, who would hurt you physically or emotionally? Nah, no. But Jesus did that very thing. He was willing to give his life for you and I, even though maybe we didn't know him. Or maybe we were mocking him. Or maybe failed uh, to recognize him. Or refused to recognize him. In Romans chapter 5 it says, And God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And there's one little phrase in there, while we were still sinners. He didn't say after we came to him and, and, and asked forgiveness and all of these. No. While we were still sinners, while we were still dirty and stinky and filthy and yucky, Jesus died for us. died for you, died for me. I want to just say a prayer here. And I think we would be remiss if we did not pray right now. And I want to start by just recognizing that we are sinners. We, we, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's in Romans. All have sinned. And we don't measure up. But the gift of God, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. What we earn when we sin is death and punishment. But the gift of God is eternal. If we receive Jesus, the Bible says to them that received him, to them that believed on him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's the love that God has for you and I. And so I just want to say a prayer here and if you feel so inclined, if God is moving upon your heart, or maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you've never received Jesus. 
as your Savior. The Bible says that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Oh, you're one of them holy rollers. That's not my words. That's, that's the Bible. Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was the one who gave himself. The door is through him to get to heaven.